I saw the original Pinocchio, the original <laughs> cartoon. So this piques my interest. I got no strings on me. There you go. (laughs) This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, before we get started, um, you may notice I have the fan on. Is it it bothering the sound? Like the fan in your room? Like, yeah, no. Okay, because uh, our air conditioning is out, so it's terrible uh, around here right now. Uh, it's it's just the worst because when uh, I have art coming out, art plumbing coming out later today, but <laughs> I have art coming out. I thought maybe you did a painting or something. <laughs> air conditioning is an important thing, huh? Yeah, it's it, in South Florida. It is <laughs> maybe maybe not in uh, in uh, Alaska, but uh, it, your mother loves air conditioning like nobody else on earth. That is true. I mean, everybody, you can, make the arg- you can make the argument most people in Florida love it, but mom does love it more than most. Oh, my God. You should have seen her sighing theatrically last evening when... Uh, I mean, Dad, when- everybody does that in South Florida when their air conditioning breaks. I mean, we did miss... I did... Fall happened yesterday. I don't know if you missed it. No, I didn't. We had like three hours of or like... I did. <laughs> remember like yesterday morning? We had like three hours of like 60, 70 degree weather where it was wow. like, wow, can I wear long sleeves today? And by noon, it was sweaty. All right. Like it was like I, I texted Jessica because Jessica's always giving uh, Florida shit for like not having seasons. She's like, right. I've lived here a year now and it always feels the same. And so like I, text, right. I jokingly texted her yesterday morning like, is this what fall feels like? And then by noon, I'm texting her up. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, meteorology, I want to touch a little bit on Hurricane Ian because um, we got very lucky here yeah. where we are. Uh, As we often uh, do. Yeah, we, we've just had a run of good luck. And I feel so bad for the West Coast of Florida and others. I think as we speak, as we're recording this Saturday, it's hitting South Carolina pretty hard. Um, but it, the people on the West Coast of Florida, and, and we know someone, uh, you may remember, Christopher, a while ago, early in the days of this podcast, we did a recording from our friend's house, uh, Molly, in Fort Myers Beach. Yeah. Well, I'm sad to say that uh, her house, her beautiful home right on Fort Myers Beach was obliterated. She lost everything. Like it literally was, doesn't stand anymore was, or just ruined? Yes. No, it was ruined. It was Ooh. flattened. It was oh the God. worst possible thing. And... um. So that's someone we know very well. She's okay, and, obviously. She wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, she wasn't there. She was uh, in Ohio at the time, actually. But everything they built uh, was just obliterated. And A bunch of clothes, p- like pictures in the house. Oh, everything. It stood no chance. I've seen some shots of like a helicopter flying by Fort Myers Beach. And right. before and after shots, it is just devastating. If you can af- afford to donate to the West Coast, I know the... Sesta Cyclones won on Friday night, and they're doing this thing this year where every t- winning team gets a little chunk of money to donate somewhere. Oh, that's nice. And we we chose to send it over to the West Coast. So, I mean, anything anyone can do, it's just devastating. Yeah, I wonder, uh, I, I wish I had been prepared and had um, a website. or. I mean, a, it, there's a lot of them. It's hard, They're easy to find. Red Cross. Um, yeah. I'm not even sure exactly. Mike was telling me. I don't know exactly where we're sending it, but it's just any supplies money you can afford to send please send because they are in need right now yeah and and we feel so fortunate uh where we are here uh you mentioned the the cyclones how did uh club owner chris do uh last night did uh 
Did the winning streak continue? Yeah, we won last night. We are in first place now uh, atop the table after everyone has now played, I believe, two matches. Okay. Um, it was a fun night. It was, you know, Greg Cody. I gave him the old sit a few plays out. Um, it was. I didn't want the stress back-to-back weeks of you potentially fainting. So uh, Greg Cody was not there, but we got a good turnout. Um, Tony was there. Jessica showed up. My wife and Graceland went. Um, I had some friends out there. Tony from the show brought some friends, and the, yeah. the listeners heard our call to get people to come out. So there were, I would say, I'd call it dozens of listeners out there. So it was much less sad than the the week one. And uh, yeah, the cones showed up and played well for the fans for sure. Was there a in in honor of me not being there? Was there a reprise of the Will in It chant? Oh yeah, the Will in It chant was big. That that's a that's that's not going anywhere. One guy had a sign that said Will in It. Um, oh great! We put out a piece of white tape where you were laying on the floor as just like a. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We didn't do that. <laughs> but a few that times, some great. like one time, someone came up to me and was like, "Man, is your dad okay?" And I was literally standing right, like I happened to just be standing right where you had fainted, and I literally was like, "Oh, it's funny you bring it up. This is where it happened, right here." Wow! Wow! And and tell me, uh, the, what was the experience like through Graceland's eyes? Is she around? Let me talk to her. Um, she is around. I'll get, I'll get her in a second. Um, she had a great time, of course, just running around. She was playing with Tony's wife. They were dancing and stuff like she had no interest in the high lie, but she did enjoy herself. Uh, Art, Art plumbing is calling. I got to take this. (laughs) I'm gonna get Graceland. I'll get Graceland. Graceland is in the bath, but she will be down shortly to talk to you if you'd like. Okay. That will be, uh, that will be what I would consider to be a Greg Cody show exclusive with uh, Graceland, my granddaughter, talking about her first... Was it her first highlight experience? No. Okay, well, we're going to... For the, the sake of drama and salesmanship, we're going to pretend like it was her first highlight experience. And well, We're um, already back on the show, so people are listening to this. So uh, they're going to... Okay. Know. But I think it, it would be funny, actually, to, like, ask her about highlight, because she's going to have, like, no clue. Like, I like the idea right. of having her try to describe the game. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, like, what were those guys wearing on their hands? Um... I want to say that uh, I, I always oversell and say what a special show, but we have a special guest on today's show, Larry Zonka, mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins legend, pro football hall of famer, probably in my mind, the the centerpiece of the Super Bowl years and the perfect season. Is he a top five Dolphin all time? Yeah. Oh, for me, he is. For me, he is. I think you'd get some argument and no disrespect to Bob Greasy, the Hall of Fame quarterback. That was a running team. That was not yeah. a passing team. So Zonka. It's it's. It's so funny to like, you just like see clips of Larry Zonka and he seemed like a lumbering big guy. Yes. Like, it's weird that he was a running back. Like, he wasn't a speed, he couldn't have been a speedster. Oh, he was a battering ram. He was like Jerome Bettis? Yes. He was, you know, John Riggins, uh, Bronco Nagurski going way back. Jerome Bettis, young people know who I'm talking about. Yeah. He was a bull. You know, he used to go straight up the middle. And he would run into the end zone with a, a pair of safeties on his back, like little birds on the back of a rhinoceros yeah. in, in the wild in Africa. It was it was uh, this is this is the, the picture of his book. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's called Head On. So we have yeah. him on today and I want to just warn the audience. Don't be alarmed because I know my dad can sometimes be low energy. Larry Zonka <laughs> doesn't lead the league in energy. They talked for like an hour and a half and we got it down to 20 minutes. So this yes. is a tight 
interesting, good interview we have with Larry Zonka. My dad wanted to play the whole thing, and me and Yeti had to be like, Dad, the people can't handle that. But what, we, what we're giving you today is a nice, tight, interesting, you know, talks about his life, talks about the Dolphins. It is a good, tight interview, so I'm excited for everyone to finally hear it, because he's got a book coming out, so. Right. The book is called Head On, and it's out now. I believe it came out Sunday. Uh, when, when was October 4th? It'll be out tomorrow, Greg. October 4th is tomorrow. Okay. It's really confusing to ask that kind of question when we're recording on a Saturday and our podcast comes out Monday. It's just right, really so put us in a bad spot there. All right. Wherever you buy books, that one's available. <laughs> it's called Head On, a memoir by Larry Zonka. And uh, by the way, uh, I asked for like a half hour of his time. And he gave me more like an hour and 15 minutes because we really did enjoy the conversation that much. And by the end of it, we were we were like lifelong buddies. The first the first 10 minutes of the conversation that we cut out of the interview is just, man, it was a really good book. Oh, wow. Thank you, Greg. You are someone who uh, is a writer. So that means something coming from you. And then you're like, well, I mean it because I read it. And it was just 10 minutes of you guys playing ping pong with like compliments for each other. Right. It's an old skill of mine called buttering up someone you're interviewing. You put them at ease, you make them think you really like them, and then they let the guard down a little bit. Wow. So you weren't being honest? To- no, I was being honest, of course. <laughs> it, it is a, um, he wrote it himself. He may or may not have had a ghostwriter helping him. Of course he had the, someone helping him. I'm not saying he did, and I'm not saying he didn't, but it, it's not a co-credit. It's not like, uh, you know, a book where it's like, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson with Dave Hyde, you know, nothing like that. Well, how'd you feel about that, by the way? I don't know if we ever got your thoughts on that. The fact that Jimmy Johnson chose Dave Hyde. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm glad uh, I want to read the book. Uh, Jimmy has agreed to, I don't even know if I mentioned it. Jimmy has agreed to be on to talk about the book when it comes closer to release. It's because he feels bad that he didn't give you the the writing credit. So he's like, oh, I got to go on Craig Cody's podcast. He's... You know what? At, at this point in my life, I don't want to work uh, hard enough to take time off of my writing to uh, dedicate myself to a book. Is that I, something I, like I told not- Dave Hyde that uh, I thought this book was the opus of his career. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a it's a major publisher. It's not like pissant books. You know, it's a major publisher. Um, is this something Dave Hyde full- will make money off of? Like, I, I, I don't want to get into anyone's like business. I don't know how like book sales go. Like, is this something Dave Hyde will make good money off of? You know what? He, I'm sure he got a forward. I'm sure he got a nice piece of change just to, for the writing process. How much he's going to make from the book itself, I don't know. In, in publishing, sports books typically don't sell. <laughs> uh, a Jimmy Johnson book is going to sell really well in Miami and Dallas. Uh, elsewhere, I'm, I'm not sure. So I don't know if he's going to get rich on this, but I told him, I thought it was the opus of his career, and he sounded surprised by that. Uh, he took it as a real compliment, and Dave and I are good friends, despite what Levitard tries to uh, get people to think. So we're going to have Jimmy Johnson on in November. Good friends is debatable. We're certainly good uh, uh, colleagues. We're there good, you go. That's you good. know, we we have now. I will say, a couple of times over the years, we have socialized. Um, <laughs> so in the uh, twenty-nine years you've met him, you've socialized twice with him. Yeah. Right. Good friends. <laughs> well, let's talk about your work friends, Dad. Your work. Let's friends. talk about who you're allowed to call good friends. I, I actually think that is an interesting dynamic. Like, like think about everyone on the Lebetard show. Like, I don't know if I could call like Billy Gill and I get along so incredibly well, but we've never just gotten together the two of us outside of work. There so you it's go. like I don't know if I can call Billy Gill an actual friend. He's for sure a work friend. Like, right. Like I, we enjoy, we make each other laugh. We enjoy each other, 
like we've had this debate before like on the show where we're all like willing to call each other friends and billy has like done the thing of like ah we don't really hang out at all like see it's all That's about just point. De- it's all about just definitions like i'm it's semantics like you and okay. dave hyde are friends like okay i, I think okay so so it's semantics Look, we're friends. Uh, if you're going to make fun of me for calling him a good friend, go ahead. I don't give a shit. I would go to his funeral to, to use that gauge. <laughs> and I would like to think he would go to mine. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Yeah, and hopefully neither of those are for a long time. <laughs> but, um, okay, I, I have a, a, a serious Jumpin' Charlie update. Um, you cut his balls off. Yes. We had molecular <laughs> surgery. And um, How's he doing? He, I saw a picture well, yesterday with his sad cone. He didn't look happy. <laughs> He is wearing a sad cone. He looks like we'd all, like I imagine we'd all look if you cut our balls off. And put a cone on our head, right. (laughs) Oh, my God. But we did. I will say this. I got to put another picture up. We took away that big, giant, cylindrical, uh, classic-looking plastic cone, and we replaced it with, you know, on an airline, uh, some of those foam things that people wear around their neck. Riley had to wear those before. Yeah, it's like basically like a foam thing. It's much less intrusive. Yeah. Charlie is so much happier since I fitted her with the foam Him. circle. You know, she still can't lick Him. her uh, sensitive he. area. He. Or he. Uh, he still can't lick <laughs> sensitive area. But if, if it was a she and we had his balls cut off, that would be... Uh, that would be a medical feat. Yeah. You're really tracking him licking his private areas, huh? Well, we're looking. We're, we're monitoring. He has a journal. You know, if some people keep a food journal, he's got like a, a ball lick journal. Friday night, 8.30 p.m. Charlie just tried to lick his sack couldn't that's right went for the left side instead of the right this time (laughs) tried to do it didn't right exactly and then the next day the same entry in the journal yeah but we have uh 8 30 a.m saturday morning but this is like 10 days uh where he has to be in this cone and i'm gonna be away toward the end of that i gotta go to the uh dolphin game in uh in new york next week so toward the end of that this is like it's extremely serious though because like we joke about it i like I've had a friend like this is a terrible story. I've had a friend where a dog was like when they weren't home, got into a wound and the dog passed away. It was like it was a horrific story of. Yeah, I said enough. It was just like even dogs kind of dumb, huh? Yeah. And the best case scenario would be that, you know, he pulls out all the stitches and you got to take him back to the vet and you're back to square one. And then the cones for another two weeks because the wound is worse. Chris, a long time ago, I submitted a looks like thing about you. um, And it was, does Chris Cody look like the guy who grew up thinking that all dogs are male and all cats are female? Ooh, I like that. I generally don't. I, 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 we always get submissions for us and they're never funny. That one's good though. Did you ever think like that though? And I only made that joke because there was a point in my life where I realized that growing up, I always just had this natural subconscious assumption that all dogs are male and all cats were female. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think generally, I think my dad's doing it because he's always had female dogs. Right. So this is his first male dog. So he's just used to saying she for dogs. But Right. And, yes. our, and our cat is a male. So it sort of throws everything off kilter. But yes, I do look like somebody who thinks all boys. <laughs> like that's, that is genuinely good. Um, are you, you all familiar with the raging controversy around Barney, the purple dinosaur? No, but I'm, I'm concerned. I read one headline about abuse. <laughs> I'm concerned because I was a big Barney guy. Or drugs, like drug use on set and stuff like that. But that's Wait, all. I, I the guy the playing Barney used a bunch of drugs while doing it. That makes sense. I, I don't know. Oh, he's making that up. Oh, okay, uh, but I'm not making this up. Uh, that makes sense. It would make sense. There's a Peacock uh, documentary series uh, about Barney coming up. 
It's a two-part Peacock series called um, I Love You, You Hate Me. Okay, because Barney's song. I know, Dad. I love you, you love me. Everyone knows. Yep. Okay. I didn't know everyone knows. (laughs) But Barney was a, a, like, I remember uh, when when the kids were small, when Christopher and and Michael, I think you both liked Barney. Mm -hmm. I remember purple dinosaurs, stuffed purple dinosaurs around the house all the time. Yeah. Like, we were a Barney family. (laughs) A family. That's right. And uh, and now I I had no idea about this. Apparently, uh, the the series Barney uh, had a big backlash. Like, uh, fans who loved Barney grew up and became cynical and hated Barney. And and apparently the show, uh, I don't know how long it was on. For all I know, it's still on. I don't don't know. What channel was Barney on? I don't even know. PBS. Not important. Is it still on? It can't be. No idea. If, If it is, I believe it's reruns. Okay. At any rate. There was a big backlash against Barney where people were threatening the show and on so, you know, people making fun of Barney. And, and this documentary series is about that. So that sort of interested me since that was such a big part. Like Barney w- was the imprimatur of spreading love. Yes. OK. And if Barney became someone who people hate, I think that might have been a forerunner of the culture we live in now where we're so divided and, and something that I love, you hate and politics and all that. Stuff. Charles Barkley beat the hell out of him on Saturday Night Live. Okay. That was the Nirvana episode, actually. We, re- we really need to get some imaging for when my dad just doesn't have an opinion on a topic and it's just like, this is in the news. That interests me. Okay, I'll f- well. I'll figure <laughs> that one out one day. <laughs> Listen, you guys are, are the Barney generation. I counted on you two Mm-mm. to pick up the ball, to pick up the purple stuffed ball and run with Well, it. like, you haven't even told me. You just, like, what's the controversy? Like, why don't people like him? That's what you have to watch the documentary to find <laughs> so out. you're just telling <laughs> us, there's a, so you're just like, there's a documentary out on Barney. Yes. All right. Good to right. know. And, and you, who loved Barney, who had a Barney in his bed, have no opinion whatsoever on this. I, I mean, my opinion on Barney is I grew up with Barney. I don't have any negative thoughts on Barney. I didn't know that it was, like, a super controversial. I knew it was... Like a lot of cartoons, like, you know, you grow up and you're like, that was ridiculous that I used to love that. But yeah, I don't I'm interested now. Like you have me intrigued. I'd like to watch the doc. There you go. I always hated him. Why? But I was just at the age to where my younger siblings thought it was great. And I was, you know, at the age where I'm too cool to like something like this. So, oh, because when you were because like when Barney was at its peak, you were a little older than me. So you were probably like too cool for Barney. Yeah, Yeah, I was the older brother who was making fun of his younger siblings for liking something so dumb. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) See, we've scratched the surface now with Yeti saying why he hated Barney. that, That is. Uh, a pearl of the content that you wanted when you brought yes. up this topic. You're like, Thank you. now we got the good stuff. The Whereas, only Barney I enjoyed was when somebody synced up Barney scenes to uh, Tupac's hit him up. That was great, <laughs> but that was it. Yeah, okay. outside of that, it was just it was just really annoying. I was too old for it, um, and I was at the age where I would be embarrassed by something like that too. So, like, you know, now right. I don't give a crap, but at that age, I did. And, yeah, I'm surprised you, we haven't had a Barney a Barney Rubble reference yet. Like that's just like what I was expecting. This <laughs> well, here, here's here's my reference. Uh, I'm always ready. Um, the only Barney I liked growing up was Barney Fife. You know, Andy's deputy. So, um, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, Dad, speaking. Oh of wait, that, did I? Go, who's Barney Rubble? Barney Rubble is from the Flintstones. He's Fred, yeah, Flintstones, Fred Flintstones. Wow, best friend. you guys! I thought I was talking about Barney Fife. What? Oh, you. <laughs> When I said Barney Rubble, I you know what it was? 
in the middle of it, I was like, I want to make fun of my dad for the, the, you know, Andy Griffith show. So I like typed in Barney R. For some reason, I had it as this R starting and it just popped up rubble. I'm like, that's it. I just went to air. I was like, uh, and that's yeah, from the no, Flintstones. That's funny, Chris, because that, that's a couple of, of, of uh, big faults for you this week. Yeah. Considering on Cinephile. Oh, get over that. They essentially dad, played Greg Doesn't dad, Know Movies dad, with you don't, Chris. You don't listen to Cinephile. That was actually hilarious. So we should, that, I'm glad you brought that up. I got, I got Greg Doesn't Know Movied on Cinephile this week because we had uh, the old producer of Cinephile, Dan Stanzik, was a guest this right. week. And he brought, because a few weeks earlier we had done When Harry Met Sally, and I learned... What was the what's the line? I want what she had or something like that. Yeah, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. So that's like a line I had always known in pop culture was a famous movie line, but I didn't know what it was from. Greg, how did you know that? Yeah, that is weird. I remember the movie. That is wild. What's happening here? <laughs> so basically, when we when we reviewed When Harry Met Sally, I said to myself, my cultural knowledge is expanded now because I know that that line is from this movie. And it got Stanzik to write a quiz of famous movie quotes. And I did not do well. I, I got oh. like three of the 10. It was a nice little wake up call for me of, wow, like you like to make fun of your dad for this. And you're now the butt of this joke. Yeah. So go check out Cinephile so you can hear Chris turn into his father. If you want to. Yeah. <laughs> so was it a uh, Greg doesn't know movies rip off? Should I sue somebody? It was more just class. It was it was it was focused just to movie lines. It was a quote quiz, a movie quote quiz from the original uh, Cinephile's original Everyman to their current Everyman. Yeah, right. By the and way, um. When when you were surprised that I didn't know the Harry Met Sally line, well, you did know it. I did know it. When you were surprised that I did, there was a there's a misconception about me in movies. When I was in college, when I was in my twenties, I was a normal human being. I used to go to <laughs> movies all the time. <laughs> Debatable, like, but it, it's it's later in my life. It's when I became middle aged, and it's and, basically and the now. movies I grew up like. Like it's basically I'm making fun of you not knowing the movies I grew up with. Like we 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 tend to quiz you more on movies that i grew up with in our right. age group so it's it is a little unfair what we do to you for sure yeah, like if we did just movies that came out in the 70s and 80s you'd probably be better all of those movies all the president's men jaws whatever was popular back star wars when it first came out whatever was popular back then close but, encounters but of the still, third kind I, I, I saw I, all those i debate i i doubt that you would like be able to answer a lot of questions about these movies though like come oh. on. Right, that's the next greg doesn't know movies. yeah you know next be, next the real yep. challenge next okay. greg doesn't know movies we're gonna just do movies that you're talking about like in your okay. era you're, you can give us I a year of movies. demarcation and we'll go before that like 85 and before i would say my wheelhouse for movies was uh 1970 jesus to 1985 okay all right so next greg does no movies we will get we will quiz you on only movies in that time that's gonna be good i like that maybe we'll do it next week and i think i'll do great um can i can i can i play your game by the way of just like uh coming up with a topic that i don't have an opinion on that i'm just kind of like throwing out there for the group yeah pinocchio the remake Tom Hanks playing Geppetto. That interested me when I saw that movie was coming out. Okay. Yeah. And who plays Pinocchio? I don't know. <laughs> you, have to, you have to watch the movie, Greg. You're coming with partial information here. Did you see why this is a good like way to start a topic? It is a good way. It's piqued my interest. I saw the original Pinocchio, the original cartoon. So this piques my interest. You I got no strings on me. There you go. Quick dad joke of the week. Where do belly buttons go to college? Um, UC Belay. I don't know. The Naval Academy. Oh, oh that's a good one. Good. I like Thank that you. one. 
UC Ballet was not terrible either. Uh, UC Ballet was was a funny pun, but like yeah, yeah the, no, the no, Naval that Academy. Good. That's great. Yeah, there you go. Good. Thank you. Wow, I got a great out of Yeti. I'm kind of sad how to, how impressed I am by that one. Yeah, I am too. Sad and surprised. Gracelyn has come down from bath time. Are you interested? You want to talk to her now about highlight before we get to? Oh, of course I do. Yes, Gracelyn, what did you think of highlight? Um, what does highlight mean? You know what highlight is? It was what we did last night. Where did you go last night? Highlight. Okay, and tell Pop about High Life. I made friends there. You made friends there? What about the sport itself? Is it is it like soccer or is it like baseball? What is High Life like? It's a it's like it's like baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And what are the what are the men wearing on their hands? They're hitting things like a bat. It's like a bat. That's right. It's called a cesta. It's a basket. It's a woven basket. Made in the Basque region of Spain. Okay, I think we're going off the rails here. Grayson, you were the Greg Cody Show Highlight correspondent. What was your favorite part about Highlight last night? Making friends. Who did, who, who did you make a friend of? Sophie and Jenny. Jenny is Tony's wife. <laughs> okay. Who's your favorite Sesta Cyclone? Manny. Manny, all right. Manny, yes. One of the great Mannies of all time. The Cones can win this year. All right, let's go cones, huh? Let's go cones. Let's go cones. Let's go cones. All right, Grayson, before I let you go, I want you to say one more thing. You ready? Mm-hmm. I want you to say, low, low, low your boat. All right, thank you. What's better, Highline or Greg's Lobos? Highline. <laughs> Who do you think would win a game, Greg's Lobos or the Sesta Cyclones? Sesta Cyclones. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, the Lobos are going to redouble their efforts to win back your faith. How's that make it feel? Shaking her head no, okay. Greg. All right, Grayson, thank you. Give the headphones back to your daddy. Bye, Pop. Bye-bye. I love you. We go from the youngest guest in Greg Cody show history to the oldest. Well, but he's not the oldest. Who's older? I think um, Dick Stockton might have been older. Ah, Dick Stockton. Yeah, I think so. All right. We go from one of the youngest guests. Graceland just whispered our mayor, tell Pop the youngest is better. (laughs) 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 All right. We've lost Greg. He's coughing. Enjoy this interview with Dolphins great Larry Zonka. Zonkin' it. Hello, hello. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, thank you, uh, thank you all for for making this happen. I know you're a you're a team project over there. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> and and um, from from what I've read of the book and I've read the entire thing, um, I think it's fair to say that uh, Audrey is an indispensable part of Larry Zonka. Ah. Uh. <laughs> indefensible. <laughs> no, I not indefensible. Indispensable. Huh? Exactly. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, she's pretty good at defending herself. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to tell you, um, I, I read this book in about two days, and it wasn't because I was cramming for the interview. It's because it genuinely interested me, and it was a, it was a good, fun, fast read. So uh, thank you for writing it. Uh, You're terrific. welcome. I, that's nice to hear. I, uh, well, no, and, and, and I mean it. And, and part of it, Larry, is that, you know, I grew up a Dolphin fan, and um, I thought I knew 
everything about you. You know, I knew that you'd done the North to Alaska series and obviously your football career, but there was a lot about your life that I had no idea. Uh, I didn't know as a child you were uh, uh, going to the bathroom in an outhouse. I, I had no idea about uh, that uh, the serious medical situation with your kid sister as you were being drafted by the Dolphins. There was a lot in there that um, I think is going to be very appealing to not only Dolphin fans, but uh, just fans who know your name, but but want to know what's behind it a little bit. So um, that's what we were shooting for. Yeah, and and you nailed it. Uh, I am curious, Larry. Whenever I have an author on, and it's weird referring to you as an author because you'll always be a football player first. My limited, my limited authorship. Yes. <laughs> um, I always say to authors, um, first and foremost, why why the book? Why'd you write it? I think I wanted to share it, particularly when. Uh, Coach Shula passed, it made me realize that we're coming to the end of this trip. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. I just hadn't ever given that a thought yet. And wow. I think with his passing, it kind of, uh, we had talked about the idea. When I say we, Audrey and I had kicked around the idea, and we talked about it a little bit in general. Because of the, the great diversity, or I guess everyone's life has a lot of diversity, and different things happen when you're a kid, and you decide what you're going to do. But the way it all fell together and the way so many people were very fundamental, they were pivotal. Saulnus, mm -hmm. my junior high principal, uh, Coach Blake, another coach in, in in high school. Those guys were very pivotal in in me having an opportunity to to, to do what I did in this in the uh, profession that I chose, which was football. Yeah. Yeah. Had I not been lucky enough to land in their midst, chances are I'd have gone a whole different route. And, you know, several times it changed. And I think when you share that with people, that's very interesting. You know, having had a coach like Shula, you know, extreme 180 degrees, well, I shouldn't say 180 degrees, but 90 degrees different than any other coach that I'd ever had. Right. You know, I figured I'm dead meat. I'm gone. <laughs> and, you know, he and I was, but he couldn't yeah. get enough for me. So we ended up having to tolerate each other. Uh, <laughs> those kind of things make for a good story because uh, we'll identify with that. How, how hairline differences uh, hairline differences can make such a great pivotal difference in your life. Right. Right. And, and I apologize in advance for my ringing phone. Um, Oh, that's okay. My 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 sons always make fun of me for still having a landline in 2022. So this is the price I pay. Greg, um, we have a landline here because we have to. <laughs> you know, in my due diligence before we bought this place in North Carolina, I checked everything from septic tanks to water lines. I was thorough. That's Never thought to take out my cell phone and find out that we were in a dark spot in the whole state. Oh wow! Oh wow! So okay. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, it was interesting the the dynamic of the relationship you had with Shula. And the last time you and I spoke was just after he had passed away a couple of years ago, and you were kind enough to come onto my podcast to speak about him. And you were very emotional talking about Don in a way that I didn't really expect because you're such a, a tough guy persona. But how would you describe your relationship with Shula? At the beginning, very tense. I was so unaware of the intensity and the detail that I had very little respect for it. Mm -hmm. Once he hammered it at us, and as we started to progress, and I think we were duly blessed with a fine, fine assistant coaching staff, mm. uh, all in number, but great in intensity. Monty Clark, uh, Coach Schnellenberger, Coach Arnsberger, yep. men of intensity, men of detail, men that strive towards perfection. To have all those in the same group was unique, very unique. 
uh, to being part of that. That wasn't a, a light switch. I didn't come to appreciate Shula like in 1970 or even 1971. I came to appreciate Shula between the years of 72 and 73. That's when I started to understand what how total his dedication was, yep. how total his intensity was, and how when someone that's that intense draws a little drawing on the wall of a caricature and makes a funny thing about, you know, running your gassers harder, you know, right. um, I I started to learn respect for that instead of disgust. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that explains or answers your question, but it does, as yeah. time went on, that wasn't like a light switch. That didn't just happen overnight. Right. I didn't like it all the first year. We, yeah, we, yeah. We, we all the time. You know? Right, right. But but in 72 and 73, an understatement would be that uh, you saw the results of, of the Shula way in full force. How can you argue after 72? <laughs> yeah. He proved it to all of us and we proved it to each other. The thing that he installed on us all didn't follow the, the same lead with him. All right. No one wanted to be the one that messed it up. So we adhered to his policy and lived with it, even though perhaps we didn't believe in it totally. Mm -hmm. But after 72, how in the hell can you argue with it? Right. After he leads you up the mountain, wins them all, and takes the one at the end of the trail, how can you argue with that? Right. You, you've got to, you, 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 it's pointless to make any negative because it works. Yeah. Yeah. The only time in the history of the whole damn league. That that happened, game per. So he was right. Yes. And I, when that dawned on me, I stopped fighting him at every corner and started to back off a little bit. That's why I think the team in 73 was even stronger than the team in 72, although it didn't go undefeated. Yeah, I've, I've heard that said, that the 73 team may have been the better team, which on, on the one hand seems silly, but you, you were in it. Was it a better team? No, no, not better in any sense. Okay. More qualified? Yes, yes. Right. But a little lax. Hmm. That happens to Super Bowl champions. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, intensity was much. You hit it right on the head for a guy. You must have played some football back there. So you, <laughs> Only you in high school. Yeah. Shula's intensity was motivated and driven by the fact he was trying to prove something. Yeah. Then he proved it. Right. Now, but his intensity that it started in 1970 that we were exposed to. And went up this grade until it hit the peak and was undefeated. Can it, how do you get more intense than that? Right. How do you come back in 73 with more intensity than what he had in 72? What's your motivation? Right. You've got the Super Bowl trophy sitting on your desk. Right. Well, your motivation is to repeat twice, to prove it twice. We weren't as motivated in 73 as we were in 72. And I don't know if it was humanly possible for him to be that hardcore and that motivated in 73. After doing 72, he had dropped dead of a stroke. Right. <laughs> Larry, early on in the book, um, you start at the end sort of uh, with recalling that uh, that surprise party, surprise 90th birthday party that was thrown for Don. And nobody could have known then that he only had uh, several months to live. But at the same time, 90 uh, is a time of reflection. And, and you all, his perfectos, as, as I like to call you guys, you all had to know then that, that many of you would be seeing him for the last time. Um, what was that like? Well, we weren't aware. You know, Shula had always been such a force <coughs> that even though he was uh, uh, had been a little ill and was in a wheelchair and was being pushed around. Uh, his <clears throat> energy that radiated from him was still there. 
Right. When you talk to him, it, when they wheeled him in the front door, his neighbor wheeled him in the front door, and we hollered surprised. I've never seen, outside of perhaps the day they handed him that undefeated trophy, I've never seen him radiate with such appreciation. It was all over. You know, I got to know this guy pretty well. I mean, yeah. I, I in the trenches long before I knew him in the sunroom. You know what I mean? Right. He was... Uh, he was a uh, uh, real force to deal with. And to see him um, that appreciative and that delighted to see all of us holler surprise and be there, you know, it was on his face. And yeah. that's when you knew, you know, he wasn't a machine. Right. He, like all of us, he felt and he, he got attached to people. Yeah, And, it, uh, you know, think about the situations that faced him when he had to trade people that he didn't really want to trade, but he had to do the best thing for the team. Yeah. Yep. Think about how that changes people's lives that you become attached to. So he maintained that Lombardi-like, that that distance of I'm the coach, you're the player. If it's better for the team, you're out of here. You know, he he tried to maintain that and had me convinced that he could. Then later, after we retired, after we got to that mountaintop, and then we retired and came back, the affection, the uh, the appreciation of being in each other's presence. I think that's. Uh, the long-term friendship, you know, the dependence, knowing that we could count on each other, having proved it to each other. Right. A lot when we get back together again. Um, I um, I, I want to plow forward because I have a few more things to cover and I know we're running out of time. Um, what non-football celebrity that you've run across has been most most of a, a, a pinch me moment for you? I met Elvis through Jim Kick and uh, Jim and Elvis both like music and they both love to shoot pool eight ball. Mm -hmm. And because of that, and it just a haphazard uh, meeting because of us playing where we were playing, got together. And uh, I, I was really surprised by how interested Elvis Presley was in football. Really? <laughs> and uh, what, what's he got on here? Oh, oh. He, the surprising part was he talked the lingo. He understood. He played some, really? evidently. You know, I never, never asked him how much he played or anything, but he really liked football and could talk football. But to have him in that light as an entertainer and then to see him shooting pool in his basement with Jim Kick and asking about, you know, why does the tight end do such and such on? You know, <laughs> right. That really tickled me. That really oh, surprised me. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Chuck Yeager was probably uh, here's a guy that uh, Chuck Yeager, he had an athletic presence about him, mm -hmm. you know, competitive kind of. Let's try that. You know, Chuck Yeager, he, uh, I flew with Chuck uh, on an airplane from Texas down to Mexico. We went duck hunting together and did some things. And and uh, he was telling me about how he grew up, you know, as a child in uh, West Virginia, I think, mm -hmm. in the country. He had a very country background the same way I had. And here's a guy that flew a plane into orbit, you know, right. or not into orbit, but <laughs> low in orbit. Yeah, low, he flew into the orbit. Crazy. He flew out of the gravitational pull of the Earth, right, and then brought it back. <laughs> Insane. Without any, without any astronauts being involved, he was the first astronaut because right. he went there. You know. Yeah, yeah. And he to hear him uh, start talking about football and then go back. He, you know, I'd ask him about we we had hunting and fishing in common. 
And that was a very close bond. And we had a country bringing both of us, very country. You alluded to mine. Uh, Chuck's is even more ornate than mine, the way he grew up in the country, the way he depended on friends and how he knew how to can peaches. You know, right, we got right. a discussion about how to can peaches, whether to put the spice in before or not, all those things. <laughs> While we're flying in a plane that he's flying down to Mexico and I'm going. And, uh, you need to tell him how that came about, though, because they were on a hunting and fishing trip together. Larry was hosting an outdoor show and he right. was the guest. Uh, Chuck Yeager was the guest. OK. And they got into this conversation about vanilla ice cream because they both love vanilla ice cream. And he has right. a famous his own recipe. He said, but you got to use Mexican vanilla. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he got wherever they were staying in Texas. He rented a small plane and flew Larry over the border to Mexico to buy this Mexican vanilla that he need, yeah, we need vanilla back to make country. to make ice cream. Wow. So it's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> oh, our vanilla think. was legal. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. OK. But he said you can't do it with this. bot. you know, he got all upset when I was talking about how he got the vanilla out of the bottle. No, no, that's the wrong vanilla. You know, he's got to make the ice cream and he's one of those guys uh, well like elvis talking about football yeah no that's Chuck crazy about how to make the right kind of vanilla ice cream and get their <laughs> flavor right he rented a plane and we flew to mexico to get the right vanilla so he could show me that's perfect larry <laughs> um, <made> ice cream. <laughs> i i, I want to touch on a few more things real quick I was um, speaking the other day with Tim Robbie. He was of the mind that um, before the, the perfect season, what really put the Dolphins on the national map was the longest game, winning that first playoff game in franchise history in Kansas City, coming back that night to uh, my future wife and, and her brother and mother were at the airport among that big crowd uh, welcoming you all home after that win. What do you remember about that crowd and, and coming home to that reception? I, I remember being amazed. That was the first time that happened a few people had shown up a little bit in that uh the during the season but that you right. know that's that first playoff game or first uh well it was a conference championship wasn't it i believe it was yeah i think it was yeah anyway the airport was literally packed and they were stuffed into the corridor that we went walked down and they had put up little uh rope divider kind of things to hold people back so we could get through the, to try to get into the airport from the plane <laughs> and of course no one was paying any attention to that and it was a huggy kissy thing going on you know it's one thing to be enthusiastic on sunday in the crowd and but we had people get there early and park in the spaces early. And we back then, we didn't park in a special lot. We got to park right with the people. Yeah. So we just pulled up in the same parking lot they did. And they learned that our, where our cars were. And they started to have the cookouts out there waiting. And after the game, we would come out and sit around out there for hours until wow. the Miami police came in and said, you know, you shouldn't really do this. And we said, oh, bullshit, sit down, have a, you know, <laughs> have a coffee and a hot dog. Pretty right. soon we had most of the Miami police in the area sitting around with us all talking about the game. Uh, that kind of camaraderie was earned through the years and, and kinship was earned through the years. But in Kansas City, what to answer your question, it was a total shock. Right. Realize how enthusiastic people had literally given up their Christmas uh, whole deal and then came to the airport and stood around for two hours waiting for us to get there until they had to quadrant them off in the section so we could walk through them. I thought that was a love affair with the fans. It was a, it was more of a almost a family kind of atmosphere. You know, think about how what a great ingredient that was. Yeah, in 1970 when Shula came, think about all the protests going on, all the racial divisions, all of the things that were tearing the country all to, all to pieces. 
all the hostilities, one sector over another sector. And then to be a common adherent, you know, because our fans were all colors, all nationalities, yes. Spanish, American, you know, all, all kinds of mixtures, black, white. Yep. But to have them all out there having hot dogs and coffee after the game or beer and talking about the game and on a name basis and have their kids running around throwing a football back and forth, you know, after dark in the in the Orange Bowl parking lot after everybody else had left. How neat is that? You yeah. know, I mean, what a... That that's like my childhood. You know, I talk about the country as, you know, as in a negative sense, but it's really a very positive. You know, some people would say, oh, I just want to get away from the fans. I don't, you know, put my earphones on. I'm going to walk through here. I don't want to right, sign. Right. Bullshit. There's two sides to that coin. You know, we we got to experience the other side where we didn't have any earphones. We didn't make them then. Right. <laughs> we didn't have cell phones then. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> they didn't have private parking. We parked all amongst them. Right. And nobody stuck around in the parking lot except people that were waiting to get out because it was so clogged after the game. And then people started to learn what, where our cars were, and they started to realize that we would come out maybe an hour after the game, hour and a half. So they started to sit around. That started the whole tailgate movement. Well, Wow. Because they started to have hot dogs and started cooking out there. Yeah. And once they learned that the players, if the players came out and they had people with chests of cold beer and cooking hot dogs, why would a player walk any further than that? Exactly. <laughs> Is down it? And spent two hours with them, you know. Larry, was, um, if you don't mind a personal question, how are you doing physically? Because you seem great. And I wonder too, Larry, uh, you're an intelligent man. How do you sort of come to terms with the idea that the game you love, football, can be just so brutal i think to answer the latter part first i think it is brutal but it's much less brutal today than it was in yesteryear particularly when i played the mm-hmm. 60s 70s and prior um leading with your head you know um, um head injuries uh, uh lining all the things that happened during the my tenure that i can speak and address to hey but now when you talk about players from this era and you compare players from this era to this era to that era you got to be careful because when you talk about you know and i'm a great admirer of, of the quarterback you know i'm, I'm a great admirer that, that he's referred to is the greatest of all time. I understand. Oh, Statistically, yeah. he is. <laughs> but you've got to understand <laughs> that Bart Starr. <laughs> oh, for sure. Unitedis, uh, the, the list goes on and on. Had they given, given that set of rules, perhaps, you know, so the greatest of all time, yes, in certain yes, categories, I agree with that. But uh, statistically, no doubt. I, I, no doubt. But could he have done it under those rules? Yeah. You, you start when you look at that when you're play when your players are talking to each other. There's a whole different conversation about who's the greatest of all time. Hey, uh, Larry, I'll let you go. Audrey, you too. Uh, I, I thank you both for for making this happen. I'm so thankful of all the time you gave me and uh, and for Audrey not uh, kicking me off the line after exactly 45 minutes. We appreciate that. Don't worry. <laughs> all good stuff. All right. uh, we, we appreciate you uh, pitching the book. That's great. Oh, Larry, uh, I, I hope to be able to say hello sometime in October uh, when you're down here. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to that. We'll stay in touch. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you thank both. You. Right. Bye-bye. 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 Dad, I just want to make sure I heard something correctly during that Larry Zonka interview. Did you say? Yeah. Did you claim to be a high school level football player in there? There, <laughs> there was one point where you you just like I guess exuded something that made him say, 
Wow, you you know the game. You must have played right. at some point, and you threw in the line only up to high school. And like, yes. I don't remember you playing tackle football at all growing up. You hit it right on the head for a guy. You must have played some football back there. So you, you only in high school. Yeah. Okay. Um. Did you play tackle football at all growing up? Technically, yes. Not at the <laughs> high school level. When did you play tackle? When I was of high school age, you know, sandlot football, tackle football was a big thing. No, no, so, no, 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 Dad. I'm not saying with friends at the park playing tackle football. Did you ever okay. play in a league with actual pads? Wearing a uniform? No. Of course not, you didn't. And no. you, you claimed in that interview to be the high school, only the high okay. school. All right, well, listen. What listen. happened there? I mean, Dad, we've all been there in an interview where you just kind of. Thank you. You know, you're trying to keep the, the conversation flow. You don't want right. to, like, you know, stop, you know, yes. the flow. That I Thank laughed you. out loud. I almost spit out my drink with just okay. a very casual, only high school level. You must have played some football back there. So you, you only in high school. Yeah. Well, listen, my excuse is I've been sitting next to Stu Gatz for 10 years. And so it's rubbed off. Somebody says something to me and, and I respond. I mean, you know, he said... He complimented my football ex expertise. Somebody says something to me. I blatantly lie. Well, it was a fib. It was. It, was a fib. it couldn't have been less of a fib. It was. I mean, I love it. It was hilarious. It was like the highlight of the interview well, for me. I hope not. But it but. was. I just love that. That's great. Okay. Anyway, thank you, Zonka. I really appreciate uh, you all you've been to South Florida and uh, coming on with us. Thanks. Dad, how are we? How are we going to tackle this Tua conversation three days, four days after it? Um, I feel like people are coming after the Lebetard show's Friday local hour saying that we yeah. were, you know, we were all very dismissive of the Twitter doctors and stuff. And I got a lot of tweets about Chris. How do you feel now about that independent doctor that got fired? And look, I, I'm glad that the system the NFL has is playing out. We're seeing it. If something was done right. wrong with Tua, they're investigating it and we're going to find out. The Dolphins yeah. haven't been caught of any wrongdoing yet. You know, someone was let go, but I could argue that that was just for optics. There's been nothing that's been reported yet of the Dolphins specifically did this wrong. So until we for get sure. that, I don't know why Twitter doctors are taking a victory lap. Well, they, they are. I mean, and they were from the beginning. Listen, nothing has been decided yet. This is a fluid case. The NFL is, is you know, conducting a review. And right. right now, the only thing that's happened is the NFLPA has unilaterally fired the neurosurgeon who allowed Tua to go back in the game Sunday. Now, the NFL came out today, I believe. Sunday. Sunday we're recording this and said, the Dolphins are not, we have found no blame here. The Dolphins are not to blame. We have not found any blame. So, you know, this is a fluid story. It goes on. Right. They're investigating. I think what's going to happen here, what's going to come of this, is that the NFL is going to toughen its concussion protocol which it should but right now to say that the dolphins aired or intentionally put him back in the game knowing he had a concussion is flagrant yeah and that was my only objection with the uh interview on the levitard show uh with that guy because he was uh, making assumptions and making statements that he had no proof were true yeah and he's, you know, he's not a medical doctor i mean he, he was yeah. not there he's never examined to a he has no business saying things he was saying. Anyway, I mean, I'm just still thinking about you claiming to be a f high school football player. Okay, that, that's well, really like, you know. It, it, you know what? In When I was of high school age, we did, in my neighborhood, 1440. Dad, that's not 
Like, yes, you played pickup football. We, we like played nine, football. It like was tackle. 90 percent no of equipment. We played tackle football. 90 percent of kids out there have played some sort of tackle pickup football at some point. The fact okay. that you took that and and then and said that Larry Zonka, yes, at the high school level was just it was chef's kiss. OK, well, I, I remember myself saying into into high school. I played just into high school. And that's true. What I said was exactly true, but I didn't mean to mislead anyone, you know, and uh, the larger point is that Larry Zonka, Pro Football Hall of Famer, was complimenting my football expertise in a manner that made me respond in kind. Couldn't you just say, hey, I actually never played the game. I'm just this knowledgeable. Like, you didn't have to go, like, you didn't have to take credit. I probably should have. By the yeah. way, listening back to that interview, how do you get out energied by Larry Zonka? Like, <laughs> I, I, I know you have like said that you like people to listen to your podcast at one and a half speed, and I couldn't yeah, agree with 1. that 8. more. One point eight, like I, I couldn't yeah. agree with that more, Dad. Especially on Sunday Thank nights, you. these little end of our episode recaps. Right, like if you are not listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this at normal speed, I feel for you because. My dad just, I've been trying to get him to like, you know, maybe we got to do some drugs. Like we need to do something to get your energy level up before recordings. Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I speak like I speak. Okay. No, I mean, we're trying to keep people's what... attention here. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to br- get them in the tent and keep them here for 45 minutes with rat- with rat-a-tat-tat, quick witty. And you're, you're just like that kind of thing. I mean, uh, you know what? Ask me a question and I'll answer rat-a-tat-tat. How's that? <laughs> I feel like we've um, we've said all there is to say about the Tua situation yeah. because right now the Dolphins have been guilty of nothing, uh, even though the Twitterverse has uh, found Please the didn't, Dolphins I, guilty. I don't want you taking me making fun of your lack of energy. That didn't mean just give me your Tua take again at the same level of energy. Okay, so we're good. Like we got we got the Tua thing. We're good. Let's 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 put it. Let's put a bow tie on this thing. Okay, uh, a bow tie. Uh, why would we put a bow tie on a podcast? I know a bow, bow tie pasta is called farfalet, which is great. Your mother likes it more than I do, but it's a good pasta. It's fine. I um, think it's a great pasta. Actually, I love small you pastas. Really? I we you you cook dinner. We just got done with dinner actually Sunday yeah. night dinner, and you cooked angel hair pasta. It's one of my least favorite pastas. It was actually spaghetti. It was not angel. Uh, either hair. way, I don't like. I, I I hate spaghetti and angel hair. Like I don't know why. why? Long pasta is just overrated. Give me, give me, uh, penne. Give me the farfalle. Okay. Give me ziti. Give me wow. just any Z- of those options. Ziti almost sounds like uh, the name of uh, somebody's aunt, like an Italian aunt. Aunt, aunt Ziti. Aunt Ziti. Doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. But uh, no, it was a wonderful meal. Uh, we had a great time. We've had a great time on the podcast because Larry Zonka <laughs> kicked my ass. The star of the podcast was Graceland analyzing highlight yeah i thought that was great we got to um, really we dove we dove really into the definition of friends i thought that part was actually kind of interesting it's like no, who I, are your I friends is that. dave yeah. hyde your friend is billy gill my friend like i i think what may, may have happened is that i may have said good friend and there's a big difference right i think you're allowed to say he's my friend but if you say he's my good friend right you're going into a whole different level right because then you have to justify it you have to explain yourself a friend attends a funeral a good friend attends a birthday party yeah well the good friend is a pallbearer at the funeral am Jesus. i right yes okay and and uh, am i going to be dave hyde's pallbearer no i don't think so but i'm going to be there i'm going to be wearing a suit for one of two times all year uh, <laughs> will i have my cell phone on looking at scores during the funeral maybe what's the second time of year you wear a suit 
probably to a wedding. Hmm. A wedding your mom drags me to. Okay. You know how that goes. Everybody right. wears a suit two times a year. That's not true. That kind of thing. Good episode, everyone. Okay. Hey, thanks everybody. Love you all. And uh visit the merch store. We got brand new brand yes. new Greg's Lobos things. Lobos had another big week. Christopher won't let me talk about that. Another big week for the Lobos. Go that check out our merch, thegregcodyshow.com slash shop, shop dash the Greg Cody, whatever. You figure it out. Yeti is probably <laughs> cringing at, at this promo by me, but you'll figure it out. Yeah, that was Click an awful on, promo by you. Thegregcodyshow.com. <laughs> Click on the shop link. <laughs> okay. Whatever you just said is accurate, but uh, not well said. Thank you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>